Some might say it was a hostile takeover. Others might say it was the second greatest day in the history of World Wrestling Entertainment. I don't know. What do you think? What do I think? What does Matt think? I don't know. TDT is back, bro. After two months, it's the Double Turn Podcast, and it starts right now. good it feels to say the double turn starts right now after literally a month and a half of not being on the air oh i'm sure it feels fantastic <sighs> and we are celebrating <sighs> tonight such celebrations um celebrating yeah and not just celebrating also paying you know respects but then at the same time calling it like we see it it's gonna be a fun night tonight yeah but i got my i got my terramana Oh, well, that's what you're drinking tonight. It's, like, it's, the, it's the people's tequila, of course. The people's tequila. This is true. Yes. You did yeah. text me in your, about an hour and a half ago you, and saying, I'm going to start drinking. Yes. <laughs> and I definitely had a chuckle in my car on my way home. It's but great. we have to look at the positives here, and it's nothing but positives moving forward. Absolutely. Well, at so least we hope go. so. Let's Absolutely. Go. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't listened to the Double Turn podcast for the very first time, and this is actually, if this is your first time listening to the Double Turn podcast, we've been on hiatus for about a month and a half. But for those who do not know me, my name is Jorge Aquino. I am the J-Man, and I am your host this evening on this wonderful podcast. We have been doing this thing for about four years and a little over 200 episodes. Usually I would have a co-host named Boss Ross. He is not with me this evening, but I do have a special co-host with me who basically has become an honor co-host at this point my good friend matthew larusso from metal rock whiskey as well as wrestling with respect is with me the man the myth the legend he basically really created cobra kai and he basically has to is the <laughs> next coming of the karate kid screw daniel larusso it's matt larusso himself my brother what's up hell yeah what's going on guys i'm doing great always man. always a pleasure to be here always it's a always a pleasure to, to have you yes thank you always a pleasure yeah. to talk professional wrestling in any forum but especially here because yes. uh, we get down to business, guys. We get down we really to do. business. Yes, we really do. And the fun thing is that tonight you you did mention that you're, you're drinking Terramano tequila instead of your normal whiskey, um, which I, I feel like that I feel like, you know, a tequila drinking mat is a little bit more looser type of mat, perhaps. Uh, it's a little bit healthier, Matt. Tequila has a lot of great health properties. I will not go down that rabbit hole, though. I <laughs> if you, it, however, Google if you it. want to go ahead and listen to Matthew discussing whiskey, please go check out Metal Rock Whiskey with him and his two co-hosts. Um, they always have a fun time. It's always a great thing to go ahead and be able to see you guys' clips on Instagram. They always make me laugh. Um, you guys talk about you know heavy metal like what the 70s 80s into the 90s you guys talk about whiskey um your your cigar connoisseurs uh, uh the, the three of you um so i live vicariously through you guys and that <laughs> because i don't smoke cigars anymore but i still appreciate them from afar and of course if you haven't listened to the library of what is wrestling with respect matt and his wonderful wife jenny who's not going to be well who may stop by who may we'll see We'll say. But uh, th th they are a dynamic duo and they always have a great time uh, when they do get a chance to record and they uh, have a podcast dedicated to women's wrestling. Um, 
and we've recorded and talked about women's wrestling on a multitude of occasions, not here on, not only here on TDT, but we've done it once uh, on wrestling with respect. And uh, it's always a pleasure to go ahead and get his thoughts and opinions. And um, he's become a very good friend to our podcast. And I'm glad that he's with me tonight. We've kind of gone on and really gotten the intros out and we'll go ahead. I'll, we'll talk social media afterwards because I, I really want to get to the nitty gritty uh, right now at time of recording. It is, uh, 615 Pacific time. It is 915 on the East Coast. Uh, on a Wednesday, it is Wednesday, July the 27th. On Friday, uh, July 22nd, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the, one of the uh, two of the biggest news uh, articles having to do with anything with professional wrestling in probably the last 20 years were dropped. Um, Friday morning, uh, on the West Coast, uh, early afternoon on the East Coast, the world was shaken to its absolute core in WWE when it was announced. This is the, there was a flood of news on Friday. It was it's, it was tremendous. It was announced that Paul Levesque, aka Triple H, was placed back into his old position of executive vice president of talent relations of World Wrestling Entertainment. Yep. When that hit shit hit the fan and everybody who is anybody rejoiced because if you've been watching pro wrestling in particular wwe over the last six years and you know who was the head booker and head of creative over in nxt black and gold it was the mastermind brainchild of triple h and mm -hmm. he did a majestic job even though i know a lot of people say that it was starting to fall off especially when aew came in in 2019 those people are entitled to their opinion i'm not going to say it was falling off i was i think it was more of aew was putting out quality television on a more consistent basis than they were and of course it was the hotter commodity that's and that's not a disrespectful thing to say about aew those are just the facts a B, the, the, the pandemic hit and everybody took a hit in quality, including yeah. NXT. And then Triple H's health issues really snuck up and he was and they were, quote unquote, forced to make changes in late 2020, early 2021 and remove Triple H from his position as head booker and head of creative in NXT. Then we got NXT 2.0. And it's been a hit or a miss. There's been a lot of great things about 2.0. There's a lot of dumb things about 2.0. Um, you have to watch it and take it in for yourself and see what you love. They have a lot of great characters, a lot of great storylines, but at the same time, there are things that are still lacking a little bit and they're trying to get better. Hopefully they do. I have a, I have a slight, not to cut you off, brother, but I have, Please, a, no, 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 you're good. I, have Go a, ahead. I have a slightly different view on that whole NXT Triple H, him getting removed thing, but we can get into that. Oh, we will. Well, we, we will yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, yeah, and I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. And, I'm, and we absolutely will. By the way, yeah. if you are interested in hearing the thoughts of mine, as well as our good friend Gerard over at Through the Table, and you want to go ahead and hear us discuss NXT 2.0, we do have an episode that was released in late April. Um, it is in the Double Terrain catalog. Please go check it out. It's actually a really interesting discussion. We went about two and a half hours, actually, and I, I highly recommend it. Um, but at the same time, do it on a long road trip because it is a long episode. <laughs> I just want to go ahead and put that out there. That's perfect. Another, another great guy in this community, by the way. A very great guy, and really he is a really good friend of the show. And uh, Gerard's going to be back on TDT very, very soon. Um, but uh, I just want to go ahead and put that out there. Back to Triple H. All that happened, and Friday he gets put back into his position. John Laurinaitis, who was the executive vice president of talent relations, was quietly removed from that, from that position. 
a lot of people rejoiced, including your, yours truly, both of us here. Uh, about two hours after that, I would say probably the biggest news story to come out of WWE in the last 40 years uh, came to fruition. At the age of 77 years old, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, the CEO and chairman of the award uh, and owner of World Wrestling Entertainment, uh, announced his retirement uh, from WWE. Um, now, remember a few weeks ago, and again, we haven't been on the air for about a month and a half, So, and but I know that most people who are listening probably know what happened over the last few weeks. Um, a couple, uh, I would say a few weeks ago, um, Vince McMahon stepped down as CEO, but he was still the head of creative and still the chairman of the board. And the person who took over in the interim basis was his daughter, Stephanie McMahon Levesque. Interesting. But he still hadn't relinquished his power. He still was booking and head of creative and he was still making important decisions. That This past Friday, most of everything that I just said completely changed. He no longer has anything to do with ownership or management. The only thing that Vincent McMahon has anything to do with as of this moment in time, and by the way, things can change very, very quickly, is he is only the majority shareholder of WWE. That is it. Nothing else. Not the CEO, not head of creative, not the chairman, nothing. The two people who were named as co-CEOs of WWE were officially Stephanie McMahon Levesque and Nick Khan. My mind blew. And it shouldn't have really blown Matthew, but it did anyways, because I did not think that we would see the day. And I mean this respectfully. I did not feel like we would see the day that Vince McMahon was going to retire, quote unquote, on his own terms. Right. And I, you have to really say on his own, uh, quote unquote, because of the situation that is With obviously uh, the ongoing. largest grain of salt that you can possibly find. Thank so, you. Thank you very much. That's yes. a very, very good point to go ahead and put out there. If you're going to tell me that that didn't have anything to do with it, then you got to reassess. I mean, you're smoking crap. Your entire yeah. life. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and trust me, everything that has been going on the last two months had everything to do with it. But still, for him to be moved out of that position, let's put it that way, okay. was massive. In 40 years, that's pretty crazy. Whatever the circumstances, whatever there's the circumstances. no denying the gravity of the announcement and the ramifications that it's going to have. Yes. And forward. I think that it had the massive ramifications already Friday because oh yeah, SmackDown felt different, massively different. Um, Stephanie McMahon opened the show uh, thanking Vince, but then also saying that you know, she's ready for the challenge. That's kind of the way that I took it is that she's ready for the challenge and she's ready to go ahead and do what is best for the fans and what is best for the WWE. I'm going to tell you this right now, Matt, and I'm curious to go ahead and get your thoughts. Um, I believe her, A, I really do. Um, people may say that part of the culture has to do with Stephanie McMahon. I kind of agree kind of, to an extent because obviously she's been there for her entire life. Her entire career has been in an executive position in WWE. Like that doesn't happen very often to a person who she would have been, I don't know, in her early 20s when she when she actually got put into an executive position. She's been there for a long time. Yeah, and unlike her and unlike her brother, I don't think she's ever stuck. She's away never really left. That. Even no. when she was having kids, you know, she was still in some sort of executive role there. 
yeah, she was really on maternity leave for like just an extended period, but then she would come back and then get yeah. placed into a massive uh, position. I mean, she was the chief marketing officer, chief brand yeah. officer. Um, and then she's just moved up the ladder and now she's, she's the boss. She is the head decision maker along with Nick, Nick Khan. Her and Nick Khan hold the same amount of power. She is her husband's boss, which is nuts to me. Um, but I want to state this right now. I believe her. I mentioned right at the intro that some say that it was a hostile takeover. And I'm just going to go ahead and ask you this right now, just up front, man. Do you think it was a hostile takeover? That's a really great question. And I don't think it was a hostile takeover, but if you look at maybe what's been going on for even let's say going back six months to a year and you look at the rise of Nick Khan, right? Mm-hmm. Who, you know, slowly but surely as McMahon started to drop, right? I mean, you had Paul leave, you had Shane and the whole Paul get, mo- Paul get removed. Let's be clear. Removed. removed. Yeah. Yes. Unfairly, mind you. Yeah, Shane, the whole fiasco with him. And, you know, Stephanie kind of in flux for a little while there. She said that she was going to step away. And then she came back. Um, if you remember, she made that announcement. I can't ex- remember exactly when that was, but she was. It was like, it was after WrestleMania. It was like late yeah. April, early May. And then three weeks later, she was named interim CEO. And that was right around the time that we all found out about the severity of Triple H's condition and all those things as well. So all that happened sort of at the same time. So I don't think it's hostile as in like overnight, but I feel like that this has been building for a little while and maybe the allegations, which we'll get into, were sort of the last straw on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because now you have Vince and you have his cronies that are pretty much falling by the wayside or will be falling by the wayside soon. I have my own opinion on those guys, of course. Um, And then you have, now you have Triple H coming back. You got Stephanie's here. Nick Khan still holds his power in the company. Mm -hmm. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they coexist moving forward. Uh, I'm actually very interested in it. As am I. uh, I. I think that Nick Khan coming into the picture started to set some wheels in motion there's more to that story, I'm sure, that people aren't going to know about and they might not know about for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But um, it's no coincidence that when he sort of came into the picture, you started all of these things started happening very, very quickly over there. They did. Yes. Well, it, it, it's, it's really interesting, Matt. And I want to be careful with how I say this, but, you know, I want to I'm, I'm going to say it, man. Yeah, well, okay. okay. I will say it, actually, because yeah. I'm going to use wrestling terminology and I'm curious to see what your thoughts on it here. Um, when Nick Khan came in and was placed into his position, I believe he was named president of WWE when he got hired to, I think it's been about two years, two and a half years he's been on the, in, with the WWE. I think that's about right. Yeah. Um, he was the almost ultimate heel because he was the one that was making all the business end decisions of like who was getting cut he was cutting people left and right. I mean, we all remember the spring of 2020, right after, right as the pandemic happened, uh, like two weeks after WrestleMania, Black Friday, as, every, as we came to know it, like everybody and their mother got let go, you know? And that's part um, of it too. Yep. Yeah. And he was the ultimate heel. People hated him. People despite, I, mean, I was like, yo, Nick, 
what are you doing, bro? Like it actually, you had to be careful when you would mention Nick Khan and make sure you said Nick Khan, because if you said Khan, people thought that you were referring to Tony and then Tony no was getting dragged in the mud a little bit. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 not Tony. Tony's on my good side. It's Nick who's on my bad side, yeah. you know? And in the last two months, in an interesting way, I feel like there's been a bit of a soft baby face turn for Nick Khan, especially now that Stephanie McMahon has risen in power and she's on the same level as Nick. And essentially they were the ones that quote unquote ousted Vince McMahon. All of a sudden in the last, let's say week, I haven't heard a single negative thing to say about Nick Khan because everything has moved over to Vince and Laurenitis and Kevin Dunn and Bruce Pritchard and anybody else who is a heavy old school crony. And you have to say old school because Triple H is not that guy. At least I tend to believe that Trips is not that guy. Paul Heyman is not that guy. Paul Heyman's not even in a position of power, let alone creative. However, I'm hoping that that changes because it seems like Stephanie McMahon might be bringing him back to age again. And I'm 100% for that. Um, I, th I think it will. Just give it yeah. time. So yeah. am I am I seeing something in that, that perhaps like Nick Khan all of a sudden is starting to go ahead and get him on more of the favorable side of the WWE and as a whole professional wrestling fan base? Well, I think that the shift, the focus has shift, shifted quite a bit. So now mm -hmm. it's not, it's not so much talent focus now as it is executive focus now. And I think that there are a lot of detractors out there who wanted Vince gone for a very long time and thought that his time was up. Yeah. It had been ticking for a long time right. and that they, they needed real change and they were seeing the ratings drop and, you know, everyone blamed Nick Khan for the releases, but I think that now that all this stuff's coming out about how they, how the executives, not Nick Khan, but how the executives have treated talent mm -hmm. and all the things coming out about Kevin Dunn, I think that the tide has shifted and, even those people who wanted Vince out are willing to accept Nick Khan in a more prestigious role. If it means having Stephanie and triple H over here as well. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that also has to, I think, let it be known right now. I'm just going to go ahead and say this, um, him being as tight as he is with Dwayne, the rock Johnson probably got a lot of people more in his favor, uh, than it, that could have ever been the case. Now, at one point, it almost backfired on Triple H because it was like, oh, well, maybe I want The Rock to take over the WWE instead of Triple H. And it's like, no, 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 no. I love The Rock, but The Rock is definitely going to go ahead and be in Hollywood. He literally has taken acceptance of the ownership of the XFL. Like, he's already got enough on his plate. If, he had, but, if The Rock were ever to go ahead and come in and step into a executive role of the WWE – it would literally him be buying it out and him being the boss boss. I don't know. So I was, I told Jen about this too, that I think he could throw a bunch of money into this and be sort of a, sure, a stockholder, a, a, shareholder, a, man, a, a shareholder or a managing partner or something like that. That would be cool. Um, because of his relationship with Nick Khan, because of his relationship with, with trip triple H and, and I think that he sees opportunity here and it's the rock man there ain't yeah there's never enough on the guy's plate absolutely guy takes on everything that's true so, and I nbc mean, universal yeah. has a great relationship with the rock and so oh, is yeah. fox and so is um, fox so and they want him they want him <laughs> yeah they would you know? they would absolutely yeah. give money to the rock to go ahead and come in <laughs> i mean if i mean if, if, if that story broke 
what's today, Wednesday? If that story uh-huh. broke tomorrow, right? That the that the Rock had purchased shares in WWE, or he was a managing uh, or a minority managing partner, or something like that. It would you watch that SmackDown rating on Friday? That'll be higher on Friday just because of that news. Yeah, well, I mean, Monday Night Raw went up like by a couple, maybe two or two or three hundred thousand viewers just on the basis alone of a certain somebody getting promoted to head executive writer of of WWE. Like the, 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 the news on Monday was like everybody was hyped because. Um, if I think I've already actually made the announcement, and uh, again, you guys already know this, but at this point, not only did Triple H get bumped up to back to his old role of executive vice president of talent relations, which means he makes the calls on who gets signed, which is his old, that was his old position, and he held it for a long time. They used to, that position used to belong to John Laurinaitis. That position actually used to belong to Jim Ross back in the day. Executive Vice President of Talent Relations is a really, really big deal in a professional wrestling company. That means you and you only make the actual decisions of I'm signing this guy. I'm signing that guy. I'm signing this girl. I'm signing that gal. The, the, look, look at the main huge signings that Triple H made in like six years. And Triple H signed AJ Styles. Uh, Triple H re-signed um, Brock Lesnar multiple times. Um, Triple H, I mean, the NXT roster, but who do I even, where do I even start with? He signed Sami Zayn. He signed Neville, AKA Pac. He signed Kevin Owens. He signed Seth Rollins. I think he's, did he sign Seth Rollins? Seth Rollins may have been a little earlier than that. So my apologies if I missed yeah. on it, but Adam Cole and the entire undisputed era that was under Triple H's watch. Shinsuke Nakamura. Finn Balor. Anybody who is a trips guy is a tri- is a real trips guy because he had his handprint on the signature, literally. Um, who else? Oh, Keith Lee is a Triple H guy. You could and and um, yeah, Champa, Gargano, Isaiah Scott, everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gargano. These are all trips guys. Those are trips signings. That that's how much power this man holds. And then to add on to the plate, to be the head booker, to be the one that makes all final decisions on storylines, which is something that we have been pleading for, for at least five years after the work that we saw Trips do in NXT, in, in particular from 2017 through 2019, actually through 2016 through 2019. It was just chef's kiss, bro. We saw this. And we were like, we need that on the main roster. How can we get that? And it's finally here, Matt. When you saw that news break on Monday, like, explain to me your feelings. Because you know what I was doing on Friday when I found out the Vince news. Because I, I freaking tweeted it uh, to Denise Salcedo. Shout out to Denise Salcedo. I was like, yo, I was having, I was having Papa John's pizza when I freaking read that Vince McMahon was retiring. <laughs> How did you feel when you finally read Triple H was promoted to head create, head of creative? So that's two different feelings, though. So finding out that Vince was retiring and then finding out that Triple H was promoted to head of creative. I felt Triple H should be head of, should have been head of creative for a very long time. Um, you know, in both NXT, take that model that works so well 
and then move it to the main roster. Whatever that might look like on the main roster, just do what you did. Um, give Triple H full control of creative. That's it. Hearing Vince retiring was a different story because for me, it's a double-edged sword. So, and I was working when I was just scrolling through Twitter in the middle of a meeting and I saw that and I had to mute and turn my camera off because I was like, wow, I, I sat back in my chair and I was like, what? Well, man said schoolwork. No, no, no. Vinny it was a, just retired. It was a mix. And because Jen and I share an office here. So she was on a call muted and I was on a call here. And, you know, I tapped her chair and I, I'm like, this, you know? Um, <laughs> but uh, flood of emotions. Sure. I mean, I've been, I've, I've, unlike maybe you or some of our listeners here, I think that it's probably four or five years overdue for him. I honestly think that there was some point along the way where he lost touch with his main demographic. Um, now that demos are such a huge thing now, they never sure. used to be such a huge thing, or at least to the public. Uh, I think on, about if you go on Twitter, three years into the babyface Roman push. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, throw the year out. What was that? 20. Let's say 2017, 2018. 2017, 2018. Yeah, yeah because right it there, was five years. Before years. Roman yeah. went, said that he was uh, relinquishing the universal title because of his leukemia battle. Let's say that right before that. Okay. Okay. That's fair. And that coupled with the bittersweetness of everything the guy gave me from the time I was six years old up until you know, through the attitude era and then, you know, buying WCW and that whole thing and ruthless aggression, you know, yeah. ruthless aggression, every, everything there mm-hmm. came flooding in. And I was like, damn, like this is really happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that lasted for about a second. And then I'm like, okay, it's, you know, it's a new era. It's time to move forward. Right. And uh, I've been lapsed for months, you know, because I just don't think it's been good. Yeah. And I mean, now, the last time you and Jenny they, were here, they breathe fresh air into my lungs with this. Absolutely. Yeah. And and not to interrupt you. I was just, I I remember, I I remember this specifically, this, this statement specifically from you and Jenny, when you guys were last here um, back in April, when we did our AEWWE crossover show, which you you should listen to, you should listen to the shit out of that episode. That episode is a banger and a half. Golly, we were God, Matt. Can I tell you that might be the, my most favorite that episode was, you and I have ever recorded? That was fun. That was, that was a fun. really good one. But I remember specifically because it was like three weeks after WrestleMania, or a month after WrestleMania, and you and Jen told me on on the pod, you were like, "We haven't watched since night two. and I was like right. taken yeah. aback, and I was like, "Even with Cody being there, you haven't watched," and you were like, "Nah, just haven't felt it." And I'm curious to know now, when Monday night rolled around, did that change? Did you watch Raw from MSG? Yeah, we watched. Bad. We definitely watched. But you know, and in all honesty, you you get your hopes up, but you can't expect change overnight. It's gonna no, be gradual. No. We'll see changes. Yeah. Let me ask you this: Did you feel a difference in the execution? Because here's, I want to be very clear. Tuesday, it was very well reported that that was a Vince written show. So that was Vince McMahon's last written show as, prior to his retirement. But did you, and, and that's fine. Did you feel a difference in the execution to how it was executed by the head booker, Paul Levesque? 
Well, I think there was a lot of different factors on that. It was a super hot crowd there at MSG. At MSG, of course, Roman yeah, was in the building. Roman was in the building. Um, you know, the opening segment with Theory, I thought was really great stuff. Although I hate how they're making him look. Yeah, they got to be really uh, careful I, with that. Just because he's a Vince guy doesn't mean that you can go ahead and destroy him. That, but at the same time, hashtag who's your daddy? I mean, if, if they're trying to build sympathy for him, I think they're doing it the wrong way. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's weird because you try to be objective about it, but then you know that Triple H is sitting back there, you know, in Gorilla for this. So it's like, okay. Like you can overlook, it, it was kind of weird watching it because you don't want to just overlook certain things that you hated before, just because you know, triple H is there and you know, yeah. the, the change is coming slowly. Mm-hmm. But that being said, um, I felt like the talent was a little bit more reinvigorated just watching. Oh, it yeah. You yeah. Can I mean, feel you could it. just you can tell feel it in the, in the wrestlers for sure. Yes. Uh, that's one thing that I pointed out to Jen as well when we were watching it. It's like, they just look. Like they get a little bit more pep in their step, um, you know, and then they went, then they went ahead and did one of those things that I really freaking hate that they did is that they start with a singles match. They go to commercial, they come back and it's like a tag match. Yes, you know, they did, they did that with so, it was, uh, Theory and Omos versus uh, Bobby Lashley and um, who was in that? Who, who did he wrestle? It was Theory, it was theory and um, it was Drew McIntyre and Lashley versus Theory and, and I can't remember. And Omos. I think it was yeah, Omos. Yeah. 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 But it was like, ah, like, yeah, that's the stuff that will change. But um, I think it will change eventually. Um, it was pa- it was it, it was palatable when I watched it that there was just extra. It was a good energy step. It was a good energy. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Here's 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 one place that I really noticed that Matt when I really felt the energy of like somebody's hyped up that Triple H is backstage in Gorilla making the shot making the calls and calling the shots. That person was was Chomper. when he cut his promo with with um, with the Miss, which by the way, I have a very sneaky feeling that that team is going to sneak up on us and they're going to be really really entertaining for the next several weeks as they go on. Because as I've stated before on this podcast, I am a huge fan of the Miss. I all I have been for a very long time, and I know that people are going to go ahead and be like, oh well. They put him with Ciampa, and they're making Ciampa look like the rookie, blah, blah, blah. Well, to be fair, Ciampa is a rookie compared to the Miz within WWE lore in the sense of Miz has been on that main roster for like 15 years now. He knows the ins and outs of how it is on the main roster. Ciampa was only the king of NXT. There's a di- there is a difference. We all know this. But I sense a reinvigoration in Ciampa in particular with the way that he cut his promo on Monday night backstage. You could tell. And Miz was just chilling there. And he was like feeding off the energy. And he wasn't even saying a word. It was almost very reminiscent of when the Miz cut his promo on on Talking Smack. But it was like he was watching somebody else. And he was in the background. And he was like, oh, my God, this is absolute fire. You could see it in the Miz. You could see it in Maurice. It was, it was just a really good energy. And honestly, that little, if you just watch that segment right there, that alone Gets you even more pumped up for Logan Paul and the Miz at SummerSlam. I don't just mind on Champa's promo alone. Yeah, I don't mind it if they if they do something with it because I could see, and this is how I would do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to play fantasy booker here, but um, well, hey, you proved you know, that you're a very you, good fantasy booker. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank uh, you. But I would, I mean, 
if you want to bring Champa back to to Champa, right? Blackheart. So, first of all, right? give him back to Maso, please. That would give be him great. back to Maso. Well, that's another conversation we can have yeah. about just resetting everything that you changed from guys that were in NXT, which I put on Twitter, by the way. First, at first, first order of business: restore everything that you changed back to the way it was in NXT, and let it grow organically. But if they, I mean, I'll, I, hey, I'm not the biggest Miz fan. I think Champa could wrestle him under the table if you're talking professional wrestling, not necessarily sports entertainment. It's another conversation, of course. Oh, that, but, I don't think that's really a debate, but I, I yeah, yes, I hear you. But I think that if you started a feud where you could have Champa bring out a dark side of Miz in a feud where the same thing he did with Johnny, where Johnny's this white meat baby face, but you saw a side of Johnny that you weren't expecting when they were having all those great matches in NXT. It's a shot in the dark, but I think Miz is way more than capable of doing that. <laughs> um, and then I would be super interested in that. Just build it. You know, you could start here where you are right now. I agree. Yeah. I agree. You could, there's multiple things that you could do where it would still make it very entertaining. You could almost, you know, for the next several months, build up the Miz and Ciampa together. And then once Ciampa, because Ciampa's going to get over. I think Ciampa, if there's any one talent that I have realized that Mike the Miz Mizanin carries in his 15 years of being on the main roster in WWE, is he has the uncanny ability to get anyone who is against him over and he does it so well and it's not that whole go away heat or anything like that he is just so good at being a bad guy he is so great at making himself unlikable very similar actually if baron corbin wants to continue on this trajectory of being a really great hero which he's on the verge of doing Take notes from Miz. Anybody who wants to be a really unlikable heel, take notes from the Miz. And so, the, not the Chompa needs. By the way, I apologize for the background noise. That would be no, no playing around with chairs. <laughs> but if you want to build up Chompa to be a baby face on the main roster, especially on a Triple H headed main roster, this is a perfect way of continuing to go ahead and build them closer and closer and closer. And then watch the Miz be the one that gets jealous of Ciampa and not Ciampa get jealous of the Miz and then force the Miz to turn on Ciampa. And then bam, you've got, you've gotten over Ciampa. Miz is still a great heel. And then let's say Miz brings in someone and I texted you this and you said that I was, that you were a hundred percent on board with me. And some, I think it was Lucha Libre Online. Shout out to our friends over at Lucha Libre Online. They put out this Instagram post saying that Johnny Gargano waiting was absolutely genius. Because let me tell you right now, and Maddie, I know that you're with me on this. I I'm actually, I would be shocked if Johnny Gargano doesn't now re-sign with the WWE instead of going any, to any other wrestling promotion in the country or in the world. He certainly has a decision to make. That's for sure. He, he definitely does. Because and, and yeah. now I'm not going to say if it's it's the wrong decision if he chooses not to go to the to back to WWE. But I'm telling you this right now that if you were ever afraid of Johnny Gargano not getting over on the main roster, you, you I can't guarantee it. But I would tell you right now that 
whatever fears people had, you can slowly remove them away from your chest because if Johnny G gets re-signed by WWE, you can bet your ass Triple H is going to be watching out for him and Tommaso Ciampa. You got to remember, too, is that he could still sign a short-term deal with AEW, have yeah. the greatest matches of his life for the next two or three years, and then go and back. Come back. And still be at a decent age where he can still work at a high level. Mm-hmm. And Which is, by the way, that's you know, what I think Brian Danielson is going to actually do. I genuinely believe that Brian Danielson is well, going to go there'll be a few. Suit. I think there'll be a few guys that do that. I'll, yeah, you know, Adam yeah. Cole. <clears throat> Adam Cole, at this point, perhaps, yes. I wouldn't have said that two weeks ago, but... Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Tony Khan had to go ahead and tell us that he's got Adam Cole till 2027 for a reason. There's a reason why Tony Khan told us that Adam Cole is, re- is signed up until 2027. Because he doesn't want to let him go. And I guarantee you, Tony Khan is going to do everything in his power to keep him there past 2027. This isn't an AEW show tonight, so I don't want to get, get into that. There, I, I, yeah. I, I, I just felt that that was an interesting you know, tidbit of information. I was talking to one of my friends at work today who's also a big WWE fan, or excuse me, big pro wrestling fan, and is now going to probably keep, an eyes out, keep his eye out on more on WWE now that Vince is out of Vince is out of power. Um, and that's great. It, it, it changes the game, uh, certainly as far as free agents go and as far mm-hmm. as um, the talent that you would have uh, signed, sealed, and delivered to AEW automatically. Yeah. Um, it, it throws a wrench into that. Now, they, now there are truly real options now that Triple H is in power over there. So, yeah. Now, there's going to be a lot of. The the one thing is, and and I fully respect the thought process on a lot of people when they say this, I know that there's still going to be a lot of detractors because they're going to see WWE. And let me be a like here. I'm, I'm the weird CM Punk fan that loves CM Punk, but still loves the WWE. Right. And I'll never forget in the pipe bomb promo when he said that, you know, Vince is either going to go ahead and die or he's going to go ahead and turn over the company to his daughter and his doofus son-in-law. 11 years later, the daughter and the son-in-law have taken over, except I do not believe that Triple H is a doofus. And I don't think that Stephanie is crazy. Um, I'm curious. What do you think that perhaps people who have that same mindset that, that CM Punk actually clearly still has, because if you watch a, uh, an interview that he just did at Comic-Con just a couple of days ago, his, that's 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 at the forefront of his head. Although he he the one thing that I have to clarify CM Punk on is he said that you know a Stone Cold Steve Austin didn't have his name dragged through the mud in 2002 when he took his ball and went home. He very much did have his name dragged through the mud. Thank you very much, Punk. I love you, man, but I need to call that out. Um, and B the fact that they never called out Brock Lesnar this past weekend, which by the way I want to get into in just a second. But um, I guess. My question to you is, Matt, what does what do Steph, Nick, and Trips have to do to go ahead and show those detractors that they aren't Steph and the doofus son-in-law and will bring that positivity that we've been wa- wanting out of the WWE for the last, let's say, let's say 10, let's say five to 10 years, because 15 years ago, the, you know, WWE was pretty fire. So those people you're talking about, not to single those people out, but the the ultimate punk acolytes, you know, uh-huh. that. Um, well, by the way, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a punk fan. 
I got to make sure that, st- that I state that. But I'm saying those fans that have have hung on every single word he said, you know, since he joined AEW or right. when he was in WWE or the very few times he spoke in that gap between that seven year gap that he was gone. Yeah. Right. So, but the people that still hung on every word he said, and if he did an interview, they're like, Oh, he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Those people, you're not going to, I don't think you're ever going to win those people over. I mean, honestly, I just don't, um, you know, punk said something very interesting in his first promo when he came out at the first dance. And he said that, uh, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember the exact verbiage, but he said that for that time he was there, he was ill and he couldn't get better because of the environment. It was like having a disease or, or something like that. He was in the, he was a, a mental patient in the, at, at, you know, a, a house full of mental patients, you know, right. and, and an there asylum? nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. Very much paraphrasing. I know it's not the exact verbiage, but he did, he did akin, make it akin to having a virus and, and he was sick and there was nothing there that could make him better. I don't know if he'll ever change his mind on that um, because for all intents and purposes, the relationship he had with, forget about Vince, but with Triple H and Stephanie was contentious. Um, Triple H in bled, particular. And it bled out onto the live TV. But I don't think that they will ever win those fans over. You know what I'm saying? Right. I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, five years, 10 years, 20 years. I just don't think it'll happen. I, I think, think those a certain sect of fans yeah. that just will never go back now that there's another option. And now that punk is back and um, is doing what he's doing over there. Yeah. I think what's interesting is that I think that there's still a small section of the audience that views triple H now uh, as the 2010, 2011 version of triple H as the guy that didn't want to put over CM Punk uh, at Night of Champions as the guy that, um, how do I put this? He just was still viewing himself as a top guy, even though in 2010, you could tell he wasn't a top guy anymore. You, you knew that. And I think Triple H will actually admit that because after 2010, 2011, you started to see Triple H fall off and he was starting to go ahead and step back quite a bit. Um, you look at 2011 and his, you know, there was only a, he didn't wrestle that many matches. 2012, he, less, he wrestled even less. 2013, he wrestled even less. And it was, a, you know, 2014, well, basically he was running the authority. 2013, 2014, he was running the authority and was very rarely having a match. He was having maybe one or two matches a year at that point. Um, but there's still that small sect of, of wrestling fans that aren't going to forgive him for the punk thing, that they're not going to forgive him for not putting over Sting at WrestleMania 31, which, again, I love Triple H, but I agree. He should have absolutely put over Sting at WrestleMania 31. But I get the reason. And I don't think that, and, and, and maybe I'm being biased towards Triple H when I say this, but let it, I, I personally think, I don't think Triple H wanted, wanted to go over at WrestleMania 31. I, I, I actually, because if, if I believe anything about Triple H is that he's got a great mind for this business. And I know for, a, I, I'm not gonna say I know, but I'm, I'd be reassured to state he probably knew that Sting should have been the one to go over at WrestleMania 31. And I have a feeling that it may have been a Vince decision to go ahead and put over trips over Sting as a final 
WWE is better than WCW personal thing, you know, personal vendetta thing. That's my personal opinion. Now, if it comes out later and Trip says, no, I wanted to go over on Sting, well, that'll be a whole different story for a whole different day and we can discuss it then, even though I think it's wrong and Sting should have gone over. My point is, Trips isn't that guy anymore. Trips isn't the guy of 25 years ago that wanted to go ahead and bury The Rock and wanted to be better than The Rock. People forget that him and The Rock have actually a really strong relationship now, a really good friendship, um, a lot of respect in between the two. We wouldn't have seen the little segments that they did in 2014 and at WrestleMania 31 where they not as good friends as they are. We wouldn't have seen The Rock um, congratulate Trips on 25 years in 2020. Um, and whatnot so there's a strong relationship there and there's a lot of maturity now from a fit by the way happy birthday to triple h today shout out to the to the game big trips yeah old man 53 (laughs) (laughs) we're getting old homie geez louise my point is there's been men and women just us as adults we all mature we're not the same people that we were 20 to 25 years ago you know, Triple H is a businessman now. He's an executive. I, I, I truly believe that he wants what's best for business. Take that with a grain of salt. So I know for a fact, like it's been reported, and I'll let you talk, help in on this. Yeah. But that, I mean, there was, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say that Trips never said yes or no to wanting CM Punk to come back to the WWE. He said, if it's best for business, then I'd be happy to have him back. That tells me Triple H was willing to let bygones be bygones. Triple H was thinking to himself, if we get CM Punk back on WWE television, this is good for WWE business, period, end of story. And guess what? That is actually an accurate statement. CM Punk having come back. I mean, look at the rating pops that he did for backstage, for God's sake. You know what I mean? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that I think that there's a large group of fans they're probably our age mm-hmm. that as soon as it came out that, you know, storyline stuff aside that he actually married Stephanie in real life and became uh-huh. a McMahon through marriage, marriage. That, that people thought that, Oh, it's just a matter of time before he gets some pull there and he starts putting himself over and this, that, the other thing. And then, when certain things started happening and people could put the pieces together and create these things where he's like, Oh, that's just because of this, or that's just because of that. And Oh, now he's an executive and now he's wearing a suit, you know, and uh, all these different things. And I think it just snowballed from there. Yeah. And people made themselves believe that he was only in it for himself. And he looks, they look at who he palled around with, you know, in, WWE and the click and all that other stuff. And I think you can't, they can't see past that stuff and look at all the great stuff that he has done for WWE, for the business, for younger talent. And they just, they're too blind to it. They can't see past that, that he married the boss's daughter. Right. And by the way, if you, you look at it, but they've had a and, – and they're very private in their marriage, right? But they have a – it seems like a very strong relationship behind closed doors. I mean, they have three daughters. I think they got married right before WrestleMania 20. So they got married like late 2003. They're coming on 20 years of marriage, bro. That's mm-hmm. a long time. 
you know, and, and without any crazy reports of like, you know, nuttiness of like, oh, Steph's nuts, Trips is a cheater, blah, blah, blah. Like they seem to be having a really good, healthy, at least from, again, behind closed doors, healthy relationship. You wouldn't be able to go ahead and continuously be on television with one another if you truly despise each other behind closed doors. Like you'd have to be really great actors and let it be known right now. I chose not to watch The Chaperone for a reason. It's because Trips isn't a good actor. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let it be known how that is right now. That's perfectly cool. So I bring that up because I, you know, nearly 20 years later, don't believe that Triple H married into the family just to go ahead and get some pull. You know, he married the boss's daughter because he was, do you know how much balls it takes to go ahead and admit to the undertaker that you want to take out the boss's daughter? Like, especially back in the year 2000, when, you know, if yep. you want to talk about pull backstage, The Undertaker had massive pull backstage in 2000. That's pull. Yep. You know, and, 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 you know, we're on the Triple H diatribe, and I want to get into Vince and, and, and Steph in particular in just a second. But, you know, that same sect doesn't believe, like, only believes that the, the reign of terror of Triple H was horrendous. And... I actually told this to Ross the other day. He looked at me like I'm crazy, and that's fine. He's allowed to do so, whatever. But I told him flat out, the reign of terror of Triple H from 2002 to 2006 did more for the other wrestlers he was in the ring with and in storyline with than Hulk Hogan did for the competition that he was facing in night from 96 to 98. And I truly, yeah. truly mean that. I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I know people are going to go ahead and tell me, oh, but what about the ratings? Take away the ratings for a second. When you're the ultimate heel, it's your job to go ahead and help the big baby faces go over. Triple H did a massively much stronger job as the character of Triple H than Hulk Hogan did from 96 to 98. I said what I said, and I stand by it. And I'll give you backup if you need beat. Hmm. I'd have to read because I'm very, very familiar with Hogan's 96 through 98. And most I, people I are. Go off, and I don't, of course, change the business. I would have to reacquaint myself with Triple H's 2002 to 2006, like from beginning to end, as acquainted as I am with Hogan's 96 through 98 or 99, whatever. Sure. But once I do that, I will get back to you. Uh, please and let's make that into an episode i'm happy to do it because because hogan was the greatest heel of all time obviously that period of time mm -hmm. but arguably today you could say that that heel run is still the greatest heel run of all time because uh, you go from being the biggest baby face of all time to being the biggest heel of all time that's pretty hard to do but it is but yes, for four but straight years, Triple H may have been the most hated man in professional wrestling. Touche. Yeah. But I guess the question comes down to, did Hogan make anybody else look stronger because of his heel work? I could see that. That's, that's think, kind I, of what I'm getting at. because Yes, because I think Sting did it all on his own. I don't think it had – I mean, Hogan was a perfect foil for him. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think Sting would have been Sting – even without Hogan as the foil? No, no, I, I, I like, yeah, I, yeah. I, yes, you are right. The only, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to make this a Triple H versus Hogan thing. I'm just, of course, the reason yeah, why yeah. I'm bringing this up was 
Rabbit I holes. still feel Boys. that <laughs> the set there's a section of the wrestling audience who view Paul Levesque, the executive, as 2002 through 2006 reign of terror Triple H, and they don't realize that Paul Levesque, the person, the executive really does want to do what is best for business and I think will do what is best for business as executive VP of talent relations and as head booker of profession of wrestling of world wrestling entertainment. And by the way, we live in a world, by the way, and here's what really blows my mind. I've seen this a couple of times on Twitter, but I just need to reiterate this right now. We live in a world where Shawn Michaels is the head booker of NXT and Triple H is now the head booker of main roster WWE. Shawn Michaels allegedly the head booker of NXT. You know what? Well, now with Bruce Pritchard being removed from power, it looks like Shawn Michaels is going to absolutely be the head booker of NXT. At least I hope that's the case. Couldn't Um, tell from Tuesday, but we'll see what happens. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. By the way, it is kind (laughs) of messed up that everybody craps on Cora Jade over the skateboard incident. The skateboard broke. There's nothing she can do. Gosh. Anyways, I love her, man. She will be a star. She will be. And will Roxanne be Perez is going to be a freaking absolutely big deal, too. Yeah. Um, let's talk Steph for a second, because we kind of talked about Nick Khan and, you know, how basically people have kind of turned a little bit on, on his good side. Um, and I want to get into Vince. We, we talked a lot about Paul Lebeck. This means a lot for Stephanie McMahon. This now, let it be known right now, this is not the first time a woman has been in full charge of a wrestling company that that I think that distinction belongs to Dixie Carter um, with TNA. But Stephanie McMahon has been on people's television sets for the better part of 25 years. Stephanie McMahon is behind has been behind the scenes doing stuff for World Wrestling Entertainment for the better part of 20. Um, She's literally, she's grown up. We've grown up with Stephanie McMahon, even though she's like 10 years older than me, a little bit more. She's about five years older than you, but we've grown up with this person and to see her, you know, in the same way that we've seen, you know, I'm a big triple H fan. A lot of people are big triple H fans and everybody's like, Oh, you know, and I I think I posted this on Twitter. You know, I made a big deal of 20 years ago, triple H came back to Madison square garden from his first quadriceps injury and got the biggest pop of his life. And then a little over 20 years later, his first night as head head of creative in WWE is at Madison Square Garden in 2022. Like if that doesn't make you want to cry tears of joys, I don't, then you don't have a freaking soul. But we're now seeing Stephanie McMahon, who was has been embarrassed by everybody and their mother, where at The Rock, Chris Jericho, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H himself, Vince, the list goes on and on. This woman has been called a whore more than I can count. And she is the boss of the biggest professional wrestling company on God's green earth. If that's not a way to tell somebody to suck a dick, I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is so cool. And I am so happy for her because I genuinely believe that she worked hard for it. Yes, she's the she was the boss's daughter. I I fully understand that, but I feel like when you're the boss's daughter, there's expectations, serious serious expectations for her to go ahead and get herself through all those different aspects of the company. Because it wasn't like she was just over here in head of writing. It wasn't like she was a performer on TV. 
She went, she was chief of marketing, chief of branding, you know, the, a global ambassador for the company. Uh, you know, th th this person was on every single facet of what is the World Wrestling Entertainment Company, you know, as a whole. And now she's at the very top of the crop. And I mean, it's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable time for us as wrestling fans to go ahead and see this come to fruition. We, you saw Steph. And I want to take away the Vince stuff and the Trip stuff, not a Nick stuff for a second. You saw Steph get promoted to that big position. What were your thoughts there? And what do you think she can actually bring to the table as CEO? Well, unlike many, I think, maybe I'm wrong on this. I, I really don't know. But I think that she was always the one that was going to be the CEO after Vince stepped away. I always thought it was going to be her. Never yeah. thought it was going to be Triple H. Never thought I never it was going thought to be, it was be Shane. Shane. Never thought it was going to be an outside person. I always thought it was tailor-made for her and she was going to be the one. And this is going back years as well. So it didn't surprise me when she was named, you know, the heir apparent. Because if you think about it, and you, you touched on it slightly there, is that she's been in the business her whole life. I mean, she's been around the business from when she was a little kid. She's been in the actual business. I mean, I mean name the year, what was it, 98, 99, when she started appearing on screen? Mm -hmm. She's she been on like screen. 18, dude. Yep, she's been a talent. She's been on screen. She's been behind the scenes. She's been a face for the company, uh, traveling all over the world as, a, as an ambassador for the product. She understands every single facet of what makes the business tick. Right. I don't think there's anybody better to step into that role mm -hmm. than her. Um, so, I mean... For me, hearing that she was going to be the CEO or interim CEO, however you want to word it, didn't come as a surprise to me, but it's well-earned. And obviously, I don't think there's anybody better to do it. Nobody better. I, I agree. I think it's um, if, if they really wanted to go the route of, oh, we want Nick Khan to take over, there's nobody better for him to have as a co-person in charge than somebody like Stephanie McMahon. You know, here, here's something that doesn't get a toss around very much, or at least I don't think so. If you ever thought Vince was WWE, he's not. Steph is WWE because Steph, you, you know, Vince took it over when he was like in his late 20s and stuff like that. Steph, you want to talk about being born into this business. Like World Wrestling Federation money paid for Linda McMahon to give birth at whatever hospital she was born in in Stanford, Connecticut. You know what I mean? Like yep. same for Shane McMahon, but he went on to do different business ventures and that's perfectly fine. Steph never left. Steph literally breathes this stuff on a daily basis. Her daughters, triple her and Triple H's daughters breathe this stuff. And this is and then in a world in a time that we're seeing more and more women come to power. And this is a very positive thing, mind you. Um, it's fantastic to go ahead and see uh, someone like Steph be the one that takes over the empire. And also being that she's been such a big proponent of people like Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, Bailey, the four horsemen, right? She's been a big proponent of Asuka. She's, she was just as involved with all the women getting mega pushes in NXT as Triple H was. 
I guarantee, I, I bet that the reason why Triple H got the idea to really push these girls, not that he didn't have anything to do with it. I know he had a lot to do with it, but I bet you if he didn't have the full support of Steph wanting to go ahead and have the ladies pushed more, you know, he, you know, Stephanie listening to women like AJ Lee and to, um, and to, um, oh my God, uh, what was homegirl's name back in, back with, that was feuding with AJ back in the day. Why am I blanking on her name? Caitlin? With Caitlin. Mm. Yeah. And, and those ladies who really wanted more of the women's division, we don't get the women where they are now. And to me, that has almost, if not as much to do with Stephanie McMahon as anybody else involved in the head of creative or at the top of the mountain in, in the executive roles. And that's a really big deal. And I think that she wants to, A, really see this company continue to grow and continue to expand and be better. But I genuinely, and I, I don't know Stephanie McMahon. I've never met her. You know, I just see her in interviews just like anybody else. But I would genuinely feel that I was truly offended by my father were I to hear all this crap that has come out in the two years, or excuse me, in the last two months, and be like, I don't want that. I don't want that near me. I don't want it near my company. And I feel like she's going to do everything she can as co-CEO to not, not put Vince's history to the side, but to lead it away from anything and everything that Vince and his cronies have tried to represent for WWE over these last multiple years. And I hope and, that that's the yeah. case. And I feel like she's really going to try and push that train forward. And I think that part of that might be also that there are very few people, as we know, just being fans of the business and being fans for so long that there are very few people that have Vince McMahon's ear um, and to, you know, to a real extent. And I think she's one of them that does have his ear. I agree. And, and, you know, we don't know what happened behind the scenes or the inner workings and mechanisms of, of this whole resignation and promotion, but it wouldn't be surprising to me if she was some, if she got in his ear and said, Hey, it's, you gotta go. It's time. You know, and whether he accepted that because of what she said or if he just realized it on his own, we'll never know. Mm -hmm. But I think that she has some clout uh, as far as what he does, too. I think he does listen to her. I think you're right. And also, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I talked about the hostile takeover earlier today or early on at the, at the beginning of the pod. I think that maybe perhaps Steph was also very offended by the way that her husband was treated over the last like year. You know, you have all these health issues and he's basically being completely run over by the bus uh, because AEW was quote unquote kicking NXT's ass. Well, I mean, sure. But WWE as a whole took a hit because of AEW, not just NXT. It just happened to be that NXT was the one that was competing head to head with AEW. And yeah, that may have been the case. But again, I've already stated my case for what was the reason that I believe AEW was doing the numbers over NXT for. And I never really saw that big of a quality drop from NXT while Triple H was in charge. And the way that they threw Triple H under that bus, if I'm the spouse of Triple H, Yo, you bet your ass I'm going to be pissed because you're basically completely destroying him. And then when he, and then you're doing all this 
when he went to the hospital with massive heart issues where we didn't know he was going to make it, which by the way, we found that out like nine months later. Yep. So you're doing all of this. And, you know, Stephanie's in the hospital at Triple H's side. She's seeing him get completely destroyed on TV and whatnot. Yeah, I'd be pissed too. I'd be hella pissed. And it's like, well, now that I'm in charge, I'm going to go ahead and do it my way. And not to mention, bring back this person who I legitimately believe will go ahead and do great things for us, regardless of whether or not he's my husband. And I think that it was the right move. And I really think that we're ushering in a brand new era with Steph in charge, with Nick Khan as the business end, as long as him and Steph can coexist, which I truly believe they can, and Triple H being in his old role that he was very, very good at, and them bringing in people that they trust and they know will help them to put out the best product on television. Because here's the one thing that WWE doesn't have to worry about anymore. They are, from a from an outside perspective, they do a lot for charity. They are a good company, like in the sense that they do good for, for, for a lot of people. Now, Saudi Arabia is not necessarily one of those things, but that's not the conversation we're having here. I'm just talking about like, you know, Make-A-Wish Foundation, you know, the support the troops, all that. That's what I'm discussing, right? What they need to now worry about is what I would assume is their main priority to begin with, their television programming. And now they have three people at the head of the table, pun intended, uh, to now be able to go ahead and bring that back to the forefront. It, now, does it need to start with a TV 14 rating? Eh, if they want to go that route, sure, that's fine. By the way, people forget um, SmackDown flirts around with a TV 14 rating on Fridays every once in a while. Sometimes they'll be rated TV 14. Other, other times they'll be rated TV PG T DLSP. You know, so it's a strong PG rating. So they, SmackDown has been flirting around with that since they moved over to Fridays on Fox for a while. And it was finally Raw that was starting to go ahead and get a, that's starting to get that TV 14 rating because they're on cable. They could probably go ahead and weigh a little bit more with stuff. And I think Fox is just going to follow suit because they want to do it. And that's perfectly fine. I don't know as to whether or not that's going to add or anything and whatnot. We might get a couple of more curse words and whatnot. But my point is they have the people that will allow them to focus on putting the best TV on an episodic basis possible. And that, to me, is should be the forefront of what they should be focused on going forward. And that is the crux, right? Because you had gotten this feeling, at least I did anyway, that they didn't give a crap about what product they were putting on. They had the TV contract. They had the streaming contract. They had billions in the bank already. Mm -hmm. And they were just kind of going through the motions as far as what they were actually putting on television. I think TV 14... Uh, if they go to it full time, it's going to work wonders for them. Shorten it to two hours, push it back to 9 p.m. Uh, I think you're going to get a lot of eyes, at least that are curious eyes. And if you can keep those eyes for one or two or three weeks, you're going to start seeing a jump in the numbers. I agree. Just the way uh, it's going to be. I mean, I'll never forget when Triple H was on the Stone Cold podcast. And it, it, like I think it was like three or maybe five or six years ago. And one of the things that he really wanted to do was bring it back at two hours. But he never could because he didn't have the clout then and didn't have the pull to be able to do it. And that, and that's the truth. He, he, he didn't. 
Um, but I know that others have made the case, you know, JBL has been on multiple interviews where he's talked about the reason why they're not going to change back from three hours is because of the freaking ad revenue that they get. And that's, that's true. That's a lot of money that they get for that extra hour, Matt. Like, and we all know this, but they have so much money in the bank now with the Fox deal, their NBC Universal deal, the Peacock deal was part of, which is part of NBC Universal, the Saudi money that's coming in, which again, I hope that the co-CEOs can really take a look into that and perhaps realize it's not the best thing. Um, some people may agree, some people may disagree. I'm not sure, that's fine. But there's a lot of money that is already coming in where if you were to lose one hour of revenue from USA Network, that they'll be okay. And then not to mention, it probably allows USA to go ahead and put on another show that perhaps will benefit from being on before Raw starts. You know? Not only that, but then you have a bidding war for to get squeezed into those two hours. Plus, if you go to TV 14, you might have other people that you might not have had before at TVPG that yeah. want to start putting ads on your show and are willing to pay top dollar. So uh, it creates a want there if you shorten it. Agreed. I, I could, money. You, you're so smart. I'll stop. <laughs> you're so you're so gosh darn smart. I didn't even think about the bidding wars uh, about people wanting to go. It, it's also it's it's almost like 1998, 1999 all over again, where you go ahead and get those like more adult oriented um, commercials and whatnot. But like they can, but they also here's the other thing though. They're, here's where they need to be careful. And I know that there's going to be a lot of people that say, "Oh, that doesn't matter," but what people fail to realize is even though during the PG era, it, we've seen a drop in quality, the quantity in regards to money and in regards to revenue was still very high, like really high, not quite as high as attitude era money, but that was because TV ratings were looked at in a different way. But from 2010 on, they've seen some of their highest revenue streams of, from marketing, from shirt sales, from kids and stuff like that. And that's because, you know, the New Day, John Cena, Roman Reigns, na name it, that's probably been the reason why. So they have to be very careful that there's still parents who want to go ahead and take their kids to watch a WWE show. So they have to kind of be a little bit careful when they go into that TV 14, not to go ahead and go, go too deep into it. AEW is not really a kids wrestling show. Let's be real, right? They know what their core demographic is. WWE needs to go ahead and kind of sit down and try and figure out which core demographic they want to choose to, to focus on the most. And if they do that, they're in good hands. And I think that's what Steph, Nick, and Trips will be able to go ahead and figure out as they go forward. I think there's a happy medium there that they have to find over time, but I think they will find it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Last question before we go ahead and discuss Vince and the ram and not necessarily ramifications, but perhaps like the good memories and then seeing where he goes from here because there's still some quotes out there that I, I feel a lot of people are throwing out but um how long do you feel is a fair time frame to give to triple h as the head booker before he gets criticized or you know like as he tries to rebuild both shows and how much time should we be giving uh, Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon as the co-CEOs of, of WWE to make sure that they get this thing right? I mean, I think on the short of it, six months to a year. Okay. Honestly, 
um, as far as creative goes. Yeah, I'm going to say trips six months to a year because it's not his first rodeo and fixing TV storylines is probably a little bit easier than running the company as an entirety. True. I mean, and that timeline could be shortened if they do a draft again, like they do in October. Usually sure. they do that. So, I mean, that could expedite the process of change and different mm -hmm. things. So uh, they usually have the season premiere or the reset, whatever in September, October. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what they do. Okay. That's fair. And then uh, with Steph and, and Nikon, do you think a little bit longer? Uh, I think a little bit longer. I think there's going to be a feeling out process for sure, but I think I, I, I just have this feeling as pessimistic as I am about this company that it's going to work. I just have yeah. a feeling it's going to work out. You've been seeing, I've been seeing a lot of people on Twitter who are, who have been bashing WWE for a long time that ever since Friday and Monday have really turned the corner. One of the guys that you love listening to and love watching JD from NY, who I don't necessarily give a shout out to. And I'm, I'm going to tonight for the very first time. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it is nice to see that he has been so much more optimistic over the last 72 to 90 hours or so about the WWE than he has been the entire time that I've been following him on Twitter. But he realizes, like anyone who has a brain, that change yeah. is going to take time. Oh, absolutely. You have, you have the strong foundation in place. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is be patient and you will see change. I agree. So um, he, him probably longer than me, he's been calling for <laughs> Triple H to be head of creative, maybe even going all the way back 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 to when than, to when the next... time frame that i put out sure. there you know but um he's been a proponent of it for a very long time i feel like it should have happened maybe four or five years ago mm -hmm. and here we are it's here it happened we just have to be patient Agreed. on a week-to-week -week basis Agreed. So I think that's where he's at, not being in his head. Or I, I think anybody with a brain would probably agree with the three of us that you need to give it time. It, like, it, you know, last Monday, that was not an overhaul, but it was a nice start. And what happens at, at SummerSlam this upcoming Saturday uh, is also going to be, again, just take it easy. Just breathe. It, stuff like this takes time. It'll be interesting what they do with Seth Rollins, who now doesn't have an opponent because they've decided to go ahead and book themselves out of Riddle and Rollins. They're going to push that towards Clash at the, at the Castle. I'm curious to see what they're going to try and do. I don't really want to get into that because, again, I don't, it's not a Summer Sam preview show. But I want to ask you one last question before we move into Vince. What's the one thing that over the next, like, let's say four or five months, you want to go ahead and see be a cool, very good, strong booking decision from Triple H on either Raw or SmackDown? Uh more time for the women, certainly. Mm -hmm. um, more week to week to week to week, good storylines. And I'm not talking about, you know, rematches after rematches after rematches are not, mm -hmm. not what you would consider long-term booking. I mean, build stories, um, make things make sense, I guess. Um I know it's not going to happen, but changing all the characters back. I would love to see that. But Give, it, um, give us Pete Dunn back, please. <laughs> yeah, Pete Dunn. Um, give Tommaso Walter, back his I mean, name. I mean, Walter. I mean, he's basically, I mean, he's basically Walter. You just got to change his name. Back. I don't know, but I don't, I've actually kind of gotten used to Gunther now. And he's, 
he's killing it so hard over on SmackDown that I almost don't care anymore, personally. But I understand I mean, why people would want Walter back. I get it. I mean, I, I just want Imperium back, and I want them versus Bloodline. I think that well, at that least is I, I hear Da Vinci is killing it on NXT right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it really shouldn't come as a surprise, but you know, I, I feel your pain. I, I I feel what you're saying. I think for me, um, I want an interesting way to still be able to go ahead and take the one, if not both, titles off of Roman, but still have him be the mega heel that you really want to build around as you go towards LA and you get Mr. You know who in a match with Roman Reigns. Well, that's to me. I'm curious to see how triple H can be able to masterfully make that happen where, where it doesn't make Roman Reigns look like a fool, but then it also allows whoever beats him for both titles, which I would assume would be two separate people absolutely come out as mega stars because they were able to bounce that off the aura of Roman Reigns' character. I think that's really important. Yeah, I think my, my feeling on that has, has changed where I thought that, um, you know, Roman needed a title for that match with The Rock, mm. where he, you know, it, it might seem obvious that, of course, Roman's going to win, but you could build with the bloodline thing, and he's like the last guy that he has to go through to be like the ultimate whatever just i'm losing my words here but um but you can have the rock saying well you know this is one title that i've never held i'm sure. here for that too you know that whole thing but um then the more you think about it the more like those guys don't need a title in that match man it's just roman for... reigns has become so massive that he just he's eclipsed the titles honestly in a way yeah because i mean yeah. it's the whole tribal chief versus the rock it's the same family it's, yeah it's, it's the same it's, it's it there is. man it's it, it, it writes itself we you and i have used itself. the word yeah. writes itself so many times but this the rock versus roman writes itself almost better than anything that the rock has done including john c and hulk hogan i, I genuinely mean that um so I, I think triple h can go ahead and creatively find a way especially with when, when cody comes back at the rumble which I, I, I kind of expected that'll be the case. Um, but even then, even then, I feel like Roman needs to drop both of the titles before that because I think you need to build him without the titles again. Not that he's going to lose any aura, but I think it will be really interesting to go ahead and see this like madness of Roman Reigns and then building that for when Rock returns, whenever you're going to have him come back, whether that's November, December, or January. Uh, the Rock can't come back anytime after January. You need time to build this sucker up. I need Rock to actually show up sometime in October or November. Like, I think that's a really important piece of business. If you want Rock versus Roman happening at WrestleMania 39 in LA, Rock's got to be back in tow. I would say, uh, you know what? I'll say November because Black Adam drops in October. Yeah, because, and, and I mean, and I was completely wrong on this, but I had booked it as, you know, Roman wins both those titles at WrestleMania. And then he's celebrating and then rock comes out and they do a stare off and you have a whole year build to this match in Hollywood, you know, with yeah. rock, with Roman going over the rock. I mean, that's the right. way it has to end. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't happen, but yeah, he's got to, it, it can't be, you know, one of those things where they tease it and they tease it kind of like taker and Cena a few years back. No, no, he just shows up at, you know, he just shows up at WrestleMania. Yeah. 
you need a little bit of back and forth. You need something there. So I'm with you on that. I agree. And the good thing is that the rock scheduled from all reports, everybody's reporting uh, is it's pretty clear for early 2023. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, Matt, I I know that we've been on the pod for a little bit. I just want to go ahead and get your thoughts on um, Vince McMahon, who has transcended professional wrestling as a promoter in a way that we've never, ever seen over the last like almost 40 years. And it's kind of a really sad way for it to come to end the way that it's ending. But, um, you know, he let's be real. He brought this upon himself, unfortunately, um, not just from, you know, not l- relinquishing power er- earlier than he should have, but in reality, the real stuff, you know, with the Wall Street Journal investigation and stuff like that. And that I mean, that's just blown up in everybody's face. And it doesn't seem to be getting any better a- a- every day. It ju- there's just more crap that comes out, whether or not it's Oh, that should have been reported as an expense. You know, it's like, come on, man, this is just, it's too much, but you know, that he, he did that. And now he's got to, you know, pay the price. Um, I'm curious to know, at least from a, you know, from positive aspect, and you can talk about like, you know, whether or not it was the attitude era or it was ruthless aggression, but where, what, what will you finally be able to remember about Vinnie Mac and more importantly, and this is what I was alluding to earlier, do you really think that he's going to stay retired? Well, <clears throat> I think he will stay retired. I might be on the outside of that mm-hmm. of that line of thinking, but I think that this is it. I think he's done. Um, I don't think that he's going to pop up anywhere again. I think that's it because I think only more stuff is going to come out about mm-hmm. the investigation, about what happened and as more stuff comes out and more things are leaked and this, that, the other thing, I think he's just going to get pushed more and more off to the side and he'll realizes that he just has to go into obscurity. Unfortunately, as sad as that is, but like you said, that's what happens. And, you know, part of that, he probably part of that he deserves. So yeah. obviously attitude era, you you find out that he's the real owner of the company. We don't know this back in 1991, mm-hmm. you know, when we first start watching. 1988, yeah. 87. He's just a, yeah, yeah. He's just a, an announcer, whatever. And in retrospect, you can look back on all of that that you mm-hmm. remember from your childhood, uh, knowing that he was the owner and he was the the main person there. And you can be like, oh man, like all the memories, all the characters, um that helped shape your childhood as crazy as that sounds but yeah you know, no no hogan it, it, andre it, macho yeah. man yeah everybody um, warrior everybody yeah um so that part of it's bittersweet because being a 30 year fan mm-hmm. it was that guy man it was him he took the gamble to take it national and he took it national might have stomped on a few people's heads along the way but that's business right Sure. He did it. And we wouldn't I mean, WCW have, did it too. WCW did it too. Uh, we wouldn't have it without him. We wouldn't have what we have today. We wouldn't be talking about it on a podcast if it wasn't for Vince McMahon. I will say that right now. It, we, it's true. No, no, that those are facts. Yeah. Those are facts. Yeah. Tony Khan as the promoter and, and head of creative and the owner of All Elite Wrestling. AEW doesn't exist without the WWE. 
Um, WCW, you know, pushing the NWO doesn't exist without the World Wrestling Federation having a, not eclipsed it per se because they hadn't, but WWF took everything national first. WCW followed suit, and then WCW became bigger, and then WWF became bigger than it. So it was this back and forth like. We don't get those Monday Night Wars without Vince McMahon making the decisions that he made in the late 80s. You know, WrestleMania in and of itself. WrestleMania has gone from a like pro wrestling show to a sports entertainment spectacle to just flat out an entertainment spectacle, period. I yep. mean, for you to consistently, and people might say, oh, well, you know, night one and night two of WrestleMania this year, undersold, blah, blah, blah. Yo, dude, they were in a 100,000-seat stadium, and they still had 70,000 strong both nights, or, or whatever it was, 60,000. That's 120 to 140,000 people packed into one stadium in a two-night event. Yep. I, I, the only ever time... I, I don't think the Cowboys can even pull those numbers on a consistent basis because they suck most of the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. yeah, they'll go ahead and be 13 and three and have a hundred thousand people and stuff like that. But will they have a hundred thousand people on a Sunday and then on a Thursday night game? I, I don't really believe so. And you know, Vinnie Mac pulled that many people on a two night stretch. And he's not, it's not, it's, he hasn't, he's done it multiple times. He's had a hundred thousand people at, at AT&T stadium. The, the, WrestleMania hasn't gone back to an arena since 2006. That's crazy. And by the way, prior to 2006, 2000, uh, actually, so it was the garden. It was Staples center. It was, all-state arena in Chi-Town, and they've been in a stadium ever since WrestleMania 23 and consistently selling it out with the exception of 2020 and 2021 because of obviously the pandemic, no WrestleMania at a stadium. 2021, there it was a quarter filled because of reg- because of what we were going through. And it should, it should go back to the garden at some point. I don't know when that will be, but it, it, it has to go back there. At some that would point. be an interesting thing for them and, to do, and, yeah. And, and just triple your ticket prices, people will pay them. I mean, that's basically going to be it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, even, and, and by the way, we received word today that WrestleMania 40 is going to be in Philadelphia. That should be awesome. But my, I guess my point is pro wrestling today wouldn't be what it is without Vince McMahon having done the things that he did for 35, 40 years. Um, that's that, that, that's truly the reason why most of us are pro wrestling fans. Even if you don't like the WWE anymore and you only watch the Indies or you only watch AEW or you only watch Impact or NJPW or you only watch Combat Zone Wrestling and you know guys suplexing each other into plexiglass or into what do you call the the, the light bars and stuff like that that yeah. completely shatter and are actually poisonous for your body. <laughs> that type of stuff that people are watching that's not necessarily wrestling but pay that more power to them they started off with vinnie mac like we know this you did not start with vinnie mac you you just didn't and we have to go ahead and give credit where credit is due and congratulate him on having changed the business whether or not he ended on the best of terms um you can respect the body of work without liking what he did towards the end go ahead I, we're talking about Vince McMahon, but I will, I will also throw out competition is the best thing for anybody. 100%. I, think it, I think it forces you to adapt and change. 
and uh, Ted Turner and Eric Bischoff, I think they have to have a little bit of credit here as far as the um, growth of professional wrestling because they took what Vince McMahon did as far as national and they made it their own thing. And then Vince had to change. He had to adapt. Uh, And he, you know, he made it even more global than it was. And he made it a publicly traded company eventually. And he made himself a billionaire. It made himself a billionaire and he ended up buying his competition all because there was competition. Yes. That was offering what they, what they called at the time an alternative product um, to what WWE was putting out. So um, I'm going to give them like 5% credit on this. Thing. No, no, yeah. I agree. With you. And, and by the way, to be fair, yeah. there's no degeneration X created by Vince McMahon. If it wasn't for Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan coming up with the NWO, actually more Eric Bischoff, uh, should be probably given more. It should be absolutely given credit over Hulk Hogan because he's the one that presented the idea. And Hulk Hogan's like, well, why don't you have me be as that secret? I actually watched that document. I think it was WWE Villains that was released um, just prior to WrestleMania this year. Oh and yeah, the Hogan one. Yeah, the Hogan one was really good. But at the same yeah. time, it's like Hogan, you, you just liked it and hopped on it. You didn't create it. Like it was already created, and they and you push yourself into it that's not to go ahead and besmirch the name of hulk hogan although sometimes i feel like i need to <laughs> uh, but in reality though no, but genuinely yeah i think you're right bischoff and ted turner do deserve a little bit of credit for pushing vince mcmahon to continue this rise of pro wrestling in a way that we had never seen and in 2019 up until right now we're kind of seeing like this, I've said it before, we're seeing a mini renaissance. We're not hitting six, seven million viewers on a Monday, Tuesday, and a Friday, or Monday, Wednesday, and a Friday. We're not. But we live in a world where that number can't be hit anymore because of Hulu, because of DVR recordings, because of the YouTube clips, yep. you know, because of the network um, and, and, and whatnot. And just, you know, be happy that raw is still averaging almost uh, like closing on 2 million viewers. Like for it to be number one on cable on a Monday night and almost, and only be behind the bachelor in July. That's a big number, a big number. And then for raw for SmackDown to consistently be over 2 million viewers on a Friday and be the number one show on TV on Friday, regardless of whatever cable or not, like that's a big deal. And the reason for that is still because of Vince McMahon. Um, and so I must commend him. And it's just a shit. You know, you know what really makes me sad? I don't think we'll ever see Vinnie Mac in his own Hall of Fame. No. Or if we do, it, it, I hate to say it, but perhaps after his passing, where, where like enough time has gone away from this whole situation that they desire that they decide to go ahead and give him his credit. But unfortunately, I don't see it happening while he's still alive. And I'm, I, I mean, he's 77. Um, that's an old age, but not too old. So, and Vince seems like the healthiest 77 year old I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> so, if he were to die tomorrow, it'd be kind of a shock because the guy's in better shape than you and I combined. Well, maybe me because you're you're getting you're you're in really good shape because you keep doing your thing because you're you're a beast. But my point is, um, you know, it's just it, that that kind of sucks that his own Hall of Fame won't be able to go ahead and accept him because of his cho- of the choices he chose to make. Um, it sucks. 
Yeah, I mean, time will tell. We'll see. Yeah, I agree. But, Matt, I think I've hit all the points that I wanted to hit tonight. And it's been such a great – first of all, it's been so great to be back on TDT and uh, be able to go ahead and have this discussion with someone who's as passionate, if not even more so, about this business than I am. So it's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, I've had this idea of wanting to go ahead and do a special episode, which we should have done back in June, but because of, you know, me moving – and things and needing to have to take a small break. We haven't been able to do it, but it's still on the forefront of my head. You know what it is. I'm not going to tease it just yet. Um, But a big episode is coming featuring Matt, featuring the wizard um, and and an additional person. Jenny might be able to hop on that episode. We'll have to go ahead and see. Um, But uh, is there anything else that you wanted to go ahead and make sure that you uh, got out there tonight regarding any three of the people that we've discussed so heavily tonight? No, it's uh, they've got me interested. I mean, that's, uh, I never thought I would be saying that, uh, again, it's just, it's one of those things that it's a, it's, it's, it's a change. It's a changing of the guard. It's, um, you know, something that you want to see because you've been with this company for a very long time as fans, I should say, Mm -hmm. um, and you want to see them succeed. You don't want to not like what you're seeing. You want to see something good on TV. You want to be able to support them uh, continuously for years and years and years to come. Even And you've supported them for all this time. And, uh, you know, Mondays and Fridays aren't the same when you're not watching it. And you want to watch it. And I think that we're heading in the right direction with that. So um, I wish them all the best, man. I think they're going to do a great job. Me too, and I think that's so well said. And actually, you mentioned something in, in in your opening in your closing monologue there that made me really think of one change that I definitely want to come see from WWE program in the next coming months with Triple H as as head of creative. Bring on writers who care about pro wrestling and yes. care about good quality TV. I yeah. don't want to see reports of people saying. Uh, of writers apparently not knowing who the hell Bobby Lashley is. I don't want to go ahead and see reports of writers who have never watched a pro wrestling show in their entire lives. I get that this is a TV show. I get that. And that's really important, but it's a TV show about wrestling. Okay. You can hire people who think like Freddie Prince Jr. who are in the entertainment business, but have a really special admiration and love for professional wrestling. Those people exist out there. Or Billy Corgan. yeah, Or Billy Corgan or or up and coming writers who grew up watching the Attitude Era, who grew up watching Ruthless Aggression, who grew up watching Cena in his prime, because now we are becoming of that. Like those guys, they're young. Those guys and gals are younger than we are. Right. And there's yep. a lot of them out there who are really smart and I'm sure can do a great job writing and you can bring those people on and help Triple H construct the best television possible for both Raw and SmackDown and also assist whoever's going to be running NXT, you know, whether or not it is Shawn Michaels and whoever the producers are down there. But I just want more people who care about pro wrestling being in those rooms writing this TV show with Triple H. Yes, and people who care about pro wrestling, but know how to make it entertaining for a broad audience. Very, ooh, very, very yes. good point. Cause you could go ahead and write about pro wrestling, but you have to remember that it's sports entertainment. So I want good yes. sports entertainment writers, not just entertainment writers and not just wrestling writers. you got to get a good pool of people. Like if you want to go ahead and get a wrestling writer and entertainment writers, 
in the same room together, that's fine. But make sure that they are that they are melting together, that they are all on the same brainwave, that there is an actual goal for good quality television in those boardrooms. That's yes. to me, that's to me the key that will allow Triple H to construct the best television possible. Um, but agreed. Th- that being said, what a great show, buddy. I thank you. I thank yeah. you from the bottom of my heart for always coming back on and always hanging out. And I think uh, over, the, over the next few months, um, Matt and Jenny will go ahead and uh, constantly come on a little bit more often um, just because I love having them on as guests. And um, I'm going to go ahead and go- continue to go through cycle of, uh, of guests here on the Double Turn podcast as we continue to go forward and whatnot. Um, but uh, Matt, before we go ahead and head off, tell the people where they can go ahead and find you on Instagram and on Twitter, bro, and, and, you, and on the podcastings. Absolutely. Thank you. So you can find me at my personal Instagram is I, at IconicDad247. You can find our podcasts uh, at Metal Rock Whiskey on Instagram, at Metal Whiskey on Twitter. Wrestling with Respect at Wrestling with Respect on Instagram at Respect Pod on Twitter. Way more active on Twitter. Uh, we're working on a reformat of the show for the fall, so we'll see where that goes. Um, something that's a little bit less um, research heavy, um, as that's a big reason why we haven't been able to release some stuff because uh, we like to get all our facts straight and and everything and um, watch matches, research different things. So. Yeah. Uh, working on different ideas for a different format come the fall. So we'll see where that takes us. Well, I can't wait for it, brother. I'm always looking forward to uh, hearing you and Jenny um, mark out over uh, women's wrestling. It's always yes. a fun, fun time. Uh, it's always fun to go ahead and uh, try and have Jenny convince you as to whether or not the Bellas are any good. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, that should be that a very interesting too. household yeah. right now on the Laurinaitis uh, oh, oh, yeah. That's uh, what's such a weird. Co- dynamic. That's the rea- Yeah, that's the that's the reality show I want to see. What's that's the reality right show I want to see. Yes, Brie and Nicole's w mom. There, you got Brie and Nicole's mom and Laurinaitis yep. and Daniel Sin is like in the corner, being like, dude. Yeah, yeah. gross. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be a weird thing going on right now. I'm curious to see. see I, that have, I would watch. I have a sneaky suspicion there might be some <clears throat> divorce rumors coming from. Brie and Nikki's mom from Laurenitis. Oh yeah, perhaps if, if if the stuff that is true about Laurenitis that has come out in the last like few weeks is true, oh trouble in paradise. But that's that's just me. But uh, anyways, um, to go ahead and give you guys a heads up, you can go ahead and follow me at the one and only Jman19 on Instagram, and of course you can go ahead and follow the Double Turn on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast, and we are also on Twitter. And by the way, Maddie, I think you've noticed this. I have become a lot more active on Twitter. Um, yes, you have. Yes. Uh, so please give us a follow at TDT Wrestling Pod. I always uh, just retweet stuff that makes me happy, makes me laugh. Um, I'm not going to have a we're not going to have a SummerSlam preview. This was the episode that we wanted to make sure that got out to the people first. I honestly felt that it was more important to go ahead and get this information out. But we hope that next week we're able to go ahead and do a SummerSlam review. Um, I believe that Gerard from Through the Table is going to be joining us, which should be a lot of fun. And then Maddie Ice and uh, and a couple of other people will be back for a very special episode in the next few weeks. Um, can't wait for that one. Honestly, it's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, I think it's. Fair enough to say uh, TDT is back, which is uh, really, really fun. Um, Not sure when Ross will be coming back. Uh, I'll keep you guys posted. But for now, uh, your your boy is fully in charge. 
He's become CEO of the Double Turn Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I make all head decisions. I have become head booker of the show, uh, whether go. or not the people like it. But um, if you are interested on in intra- on listening to any of the uh, episodes that we've recorded in the past, not just with Matt and Jenny, uh, but any of the other catalogs, my God, I think we're at about 213 episodes, if I'm not mistaken, at this point. So uh, with this one being, uh, let me go ahead and make sure that I got my math right on that one because I don't, you know, I'm coming out talking out of my ass here um let me make sure that the people know uh as as you hear people children in the background screaming my sincerest apologies but we are at 212 episodes with this one being 213 uh that's going to be releasing so that's a pretty damn big catalog so if you're interested in listening to any of the shows um especially the ones where we actually have real topics as opposed to just wrestling news and stuff like that. You know, shows that I've done with Matt where we discussed, you know, Sasha Banks versus Bailey and the two other greatest women's matches in WWE history. We've done a state of the women's uh, state of the women's division back in 2021. We did NXT's greatest takeover matches of all time. Matt and I discussed all four of the horsewomen a few months back, back in November, if you want to go check that out. Um, and by the way, that's not only available on TDT, that's also available on Wrestling with Respects' catalog. So if you want to go yes. ahead and give the support to both, we greatly fucking appreciate it. And um, that's all I got, Maddie. That's all I got. I think we're ready to wrap it up. You ready to go? Hell yeah, man. All right. I'm glad you enjoyed the Terramana, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The people's tequila. Yeah. Shout out to The Rock. Hopefully it can't. Please, November. That would be great. And uh, I am going to watch Black Adam because I think that movie's going to rock. Pun intended once more. Uh, (laughs) But uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to myself, the J-Man. You've been listening to Matthew from Wrestling With Respect. This has been the Double Turn Podcast. We'll go ahead and catch you guys on the flip side. Have a great night, everybody. See you folks. Thanks again.